coffers. Alright, let's get it. Alright, so I want to do a round of introductions on this panel. This is one of the my favorite panels because it's talking about how we gotta buy back the block, infrastructure, and all of those things. And these are people that I value. So I'm gonna go down the line and we're gonna talk about who these people are exactly. And I will be your moderator for this conference. I mean for this panel right here. First, I want to introduce, I'm going to start with Gordo, my good guy Gordo, who is once artist turned and pivot, and now he owns the store popular DC. Everybody give it up for Gordo. Yay. All right, next, I got Murray Blackwood. If you don't know about what's coming on the south side, it's something called Market 7 which will be better than Union Market. So it will be on the south side, Ward 7, and Mary's in charge of that, but she also does all these great pop-ups around the city, and she helps, brings out thousands of vendors, and she has placed vendors here at the conference. So this is Mary. Everybody give it up for Mary. You know it's not a lot of people in the room right now, but we're gonna give it up for her. All right. So when the pandemic first started, all the venues closed down. I got to see how everybody acted. There's only two venues that I say, well, other than WG, that I say really stood and stood and stood down with us. Like got down in the mud. That was Pie Shop and Songbird. And Songbird, got my guy Joe right here, who Songbird owner, co-owner of Songbird. He does have another partner. Everybody give it up for Joe. Yeah. Songbird is a really, 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 really good venue. And believe me, they hot, they popping. They couldn't even book my show. So I'm gonna ask Joe why that couldn't happen in a few minutes. Okay, now next. One of my favorite people in the world. Everybody's my favorite people, but this guy right here, we've been through a lot. You don't know, the ceremony is dedicated also to my parents and Mr. Van Whitfield. And this is the owner of WEG. Y'all remember the old BET Studios? It is back open. We bought it. Somebody say, yeah. Well, we didn't buy it. I, 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 I said we, like, I said we strong as hell, too. Like, we bought it. No, it's black owned. It's back. It's back to us. And Malcolm is the owner of the new studio called WEG, and it is a place for us. And so I'm excited to have Malcolm on this panel. Everybody get up for Malcolm. All right, I'm gonna start this panel off really, really simple. Why did you decide to jump in and buy a business or, 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 or start to open up a, a brick and mortar here? What was the point? A venue, brick and mortar, why are you doing this? This is not free, so why are you doing it? Oh, man, you know, a lot of people uh, might know me from the music and doing music, so it was a time where, you know, it was like either keep trying to do the music or figure something out. Um, my goal was to one day open up a business in my neighborhood where I grew up at. So I had the opportunity where a few of my brothers, um, Wardy and uh, uh, another one of my brother, Carlos, we got together and we opened Popular Store right on the block where we grew up at on Georgia and Randolph. Um, growing up in D.C., like coming up, 
a lot of people said that we wasn't going to be able to own these stores and do the type of things that we doing now. And for us, our biggest accomplishment was having something in a place where it was gentrified, where people said only white people was going to own it. And for us, that alone was an accomplishment. So when we got the opportunity to open a store and get into clothing and get into all this new stuff, it was like, man, new challenges, but we done faced everything already. So we was willing to take it on. Um, at the same token, we got another opportunity to open an embroidery store in Ivy City. So not only we was able to open one business, but two business in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, appreciate that. So to us to keep it, for us to be able to give young uh, entrepreneurs they had uh, clothing lines and stuff to have a store not like downtown locker room and them shout out to downtown locker room and everybody else but we wanted to open a store not only to do our clothing line but to give a platform to other people that had clothing to have a store where they could come in there and put their clothes in there without having to go through all the hassles and stuff and at the same time have the embroidery shop where we can help them brand and build their brand through through something owned by them is for us it's actually manufacturing washington dc it's not going overseas and it's something that you could call your own without having to you know to to go through all the bs that we got to go through so that's the reason we got involved in opening these stores and stuff i gotta hit you up for some market seven merch yeah. <laughs> um hi everybody i'm mary uh i'm from ward seven and I started my business because I was hungry. Um, after college, I moved back. I became a vegetarian and quickly realized that we have a food desert east of the river. Um, it's a very serious one. In fact, people in Ward 7 and Ward 8 are dying up to 16 years earlier than people on the other side of the, the bridge. So um, I thought that was a real problem. And I was like, why can't we just get another grocery store, like a more equitable one, one that has more fresh produce, things like that. And I asked around to so many community stakeholders and government officials, and I'm like, let's just get another grocery store. And they were like, Mary, that's not going to happen because the area medium income is far too low in War 7 and War 8 to support the kind of grocery retailers that you want. And I just didn't think that was acceptable. Um, I had did some work in Ghana when I was in college, and I said, you know what? I've seen in communities that didn't have a lot of money, I've seen them have these collective community marketplaces uh, that had total autonomy of the community through those marketplaces. And I was like, you know what? We could do that right here in D.C. Um, and so I've worked with over 70 Black-owned businesses over the course of the last four years to create all alternative pop-up markets that have lifestyle items, fresh produce, cooked foods. And now we're developing a 7,000 square foot food hall uh, right in Ward 7. So we are just so proud of our work. Um, thank you so much. And building in the pandemic. Uh, and so it's a brand new building from the floor. And what's so special about our project is our developer, our development company and partner um, is run by Adrian Washington, grew up in Anacostia. Um, I'm from Ward 7. And so it's a whole east of the river project. And we talk about buying back the block. Not only are we going to be there, but there are a number of black owned businesses that are going to be there, including Industrial Bank, which is, you know, first black owned bank right here in Washington, D.C. So we really are about some buy the block type of stuff um, right over by the Chateau. So when we open this summer, 3451 Bidding Road, I hope to see you all there. All right. I'm Joe, co-owner of uh, Songbird Music House and Birdland Records, Ward 5 Union Market. As of, um, well, we moved the record store there in 2020, and uh, the venue is now on Penn Street um, as of September 2021. Um, congratulations. Good to see everybody. Congratulations on staying in this room for this panel. How many people consider themselves business people or entrepreneurs? Right. 
So that's awesome. And this this panel is awesome because the the political discussion is very, very important. But if you're in this room and you're a business person and an entrepreneur, you know that you know you have to sharpen your mind to what's really happening, uh, what's really happening with your business and your entrepreneurship, and how you're going to take something that's your passion or your skill set and turn it into a livelihood for yourself, turn it into something that makes dollars and cents turn it into something that is directly responsive to people every day, every week, every month. And um, the intersection of that and and the political conversation is, of course, very important. But uh, I know that the people that remained in this room for this conversation are, are the, you know, the really the really sharp thinkers for what they want to do with their lives. Um, for me, myself, um, it's really just born out of the, the passion for music. Um, I grew up basically in a, let's call it a middle class-ish part of, of Montgomery County, Maryland, um, and spent a lot of time in this area. You know, D.C. was always the place we came and were inspired by, by, by the culture and by the music. And I know that that had an impact on what we do and what I've done. Um, but then really just growing up and having a lot of important and formative experiences with music and figuring out and taking you know a long time to really write business plans and really think about and 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 build um an understanding of what a business could be in the music space and that's what has led us to songbird and birdland since 2015 What's going on? My name is Malcolm Xavier. You probably know me as a DJ, 93.9 WKYS, but when I'm not doing that, I'm over at Whitfield Studios, which is on 1301 W Street Northeast, uh, Ward 5 as well, uh, Neighbors of Songbird. Um, what we are is an entertainment uh, venue and space, so what we are specializing is bringing entertainment back to the DMV region uh, with having real access to uh, real recording studios, having access to real sound stages, uh, real entertainment events that actually matter to our community and culture. Um, we started this January 2020, right before the pandemic really hit. And it really kind of came from conversations that we have now about having access. And, you know, we know there's a magnitude of talented people here in the DMV. And what we always come into these rooms and we say, okay, why don't we have things for those talented people to go to? Why don't we have access to the the infrastructure for people to actually succeed and move forward in their careers without having to move away and go to Atlanta, go to New York, go to LA and continue to build up their infrastructures and and tax revenues and stories. So my father, who had a wealth of Hollywood um, experience, you know, in TV and film, I had the music experience. We kind of came together and shared our brain trust to say, you know what, let's build something here that doesn't allow people to have the excuse of I want to leave um, and that's how we came up with Whitfield Studios before that we weren't thinking we were going to end up in the BET space uh, fortunately we lucked up and got there so now we're continuing to build this future um, for y'all alright 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 so I'm going to ask a few questions and then we'll get into anybody in the crowd so um, I guess my next question is why should I invest in real estate? Everyone hears about the big real estate deals, package deals of 10 lots, the multi-million dollar deals, but stats show most investors start with one property that's typically residence. So everybody doesn't have to answer, but I'll let whoever wants to answer. Real estate makes a lot of money. 
at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody that's going to need the space, use the space, especially now post pandemic. You can even get short term rentals and, and do numbers. And for me, as somebody who's still renting a space and paying a lot of money to rent the space, I would much rather be on the ownership side because there's always going to be that need. You're always going to have somebody who's going to need space. So if you can own, own. So I, I actually come from a real estate background um, as sort of my job before I went into to the business that I'm currently in. Um, it's a really fascinating conversation. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, real estate is when you're talking about wealth building and long term wealth building it's certainly something to be learning about and uh, looking at. I think definitely thinking long term right these are these are you know things that you can look to accomplish over over a decade or over a lifetime even and man just really even myself i try to really stay educating myself on what are the opportunities nowadays with technology to be involved in you know slices of real estate ownership you know there's a lot of technology happening out there where i don't have to you know where i can own shares or Man, it's such a it's such a financial um, uh, it's so complex and interesting, but it's something it's a topic I like. As far as like the business side of real estate, um, you know, Somber does not own its real estate. We we are a tenant, um, but you know, I heard Kenyon reference the the commercial um, fund that they created to help a couple of businesses own real estate, and I, I actually think that's. A really important topic in this city, which is how what is the pathway for small businesses and whether that's, you know, a really small business that wants to own a little condo or whether it's larger businesses that are native to D.C. or have been doing business a long time in D.C. Um, pathways to ownership of the real estate. You know, we just went through the, the pandemic. And, you know, if you were in a position to be your own tenant, in a sense, and don't mistake that for saying that there aren't costs because you're paying a mortgage, you're paying taxes, you know, but when you can own your own real estate and when you have a down month or a down year and you can work with yourself in a sense, it's definitely going to be a key strategy to preserving small business. I mean, I'll leave it there. I can pick up on this topic for, for a long time, but it, it's vast and it's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree because we don't talk about like commercial gentrification is a lot in this city. We always talk about residential gentrification. And also it's like a, a cultural equity thing as well. Um, because if you own it, then you're here and we could be represented and you have space to also lend to others who want to keep that cultural space going, right? So with Market 7, we are like a collective of businesses that are in the 7,000 square foot space. There's eight stalls, there's eight businesses, and then we can also have pop-ups and other innovative things in that space um, to create equity, right? I think about all the time like making like a Market 7 mix because we'll play music all day. So how can we promote artists in that space and how can we have um, gallery uh Opportunities. How can we have other creative pop-ups uh, pop in our lot? We have a lot in the back for parking. Like, we can do so many different things. And part of the push is just, like, owning that space so that you have autonomy in the community to do exactly that. 
So that's what we're trying to figure out now is how can we get as many creatives? We have the food piece, but how can we also bring in the music, right? Every week, let's have a Market 7 mix and like push that on social media and in the market as well. And we could play it every every day, you know? Um, and But that doesn't happen if you don't have autonomy of the space. And so I always encourage people to try to invest and then take advantage of city funds to do so as well. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to ask this question for Gordo. Uh, since you're, and, and Malcolm, um, because we're coming from this music background, especially for you, Gordo, leaving, well, you still do music, but how easy do you think it was to obtain property in D.C.? Like, how easy was it to get it? How was the process easy? And everybody can answer it maybe shortly, but how easy do you, is it difficult now still, or how easy? Like, tell everybody, like, who, if somebody's in here that wants to acquire some property or open up a store, was it easier just of having, like, 10K in your pocket? Me, it, it was a little more difficult than that, but um, it, it, I, I was I was blessed with the opportunity to have an investor and um somebody that believed in our vision and really was passionate. Like we was passionate about what we was trying to do. So that's also an important part. Like if 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 somebody might have the money and you don't have the money, it's really like finding the right partner and the right chemistry for you to say, yo, let's let's build it into something bigger. You got the vision, I got the money. So I, I was I was fortunate to to have somebody that um was connected in, in the real estate in the city and had different different options for me to really uh build what we had. So that that was that was a good thing for me. But for somebody uh coming up, it's like this is the time for I believe for you to 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 if you got an opportunity, a couple uh a couple of racks or something that you wanna invest in getting a business like bet on yourself because i really going into this i really thought that it was far-fetched and it wasn't gonna like i was optimistic about how it was gonna go but once i got into it it was just like oh yeah i could really do this and i i started getting more passionate about the clothes like if if you follow me from the beginning i i was i was just doing vinyl t-shirts and now it's like it's like I'm trying to get more creative and I'm really passionate about it. So I took an opportunity and made it my vision, even though it was just something that just kind of like landed on my lap. You know what I mean? I'm passionate about music and, you know, we still get busy with the music, not really as a rapper, but behind the scene. But most importantly, it was like now I have a bigger challenge with like, I got to make this work. Like when it comes down to the popular brand it's like i want people to know me for that like a lot of people come Kodo, you the rapper no bro like it's popular now like this is clothes i gotta make a statement the same way that i did when i was an artist so you know what i mean like i said just find somebody a group of people that believe in it some people make millions over a thousand dollars if if you got the right plan and and and, and your execution is on there it's it's possible yeah, I, I, to to Gordo's point, you know, anything is possible. I think what you asked about difficulty, difficulty is super relative because, you know, if you're passionate enough about it and you want to make it happen, the most difficult thing in the world is going to feel like nothing. Um, and in our instance, you know, we secured like 80,000 square feet of space, you know, in Northeast, which was not easy to do. And many people had tried to get the same space right before us. And it took years, you know, BET left DC in 2017 and that space sat empty until 2021 so about for about five years and when we talk about you know commercial gentrification our location is like i, I don't want to say a victim of it but it's right in the dead center because it's in the opportunity zone 
we're getting charged way more than what we should be getting charged and it's really because the landlord is trying to kind of just you know keep the market rate for everything else that they own in the area at the same rate so they can charge whatever they want to charge and we kind of get caught in the hard end of that so getting in it took us about a year can't say it was necessarily hard because we went through all the red tape we would have had to go through anyway legally but actually now being in there is the challenge and really trying to fight to to stay in there and make sure it's something that's actually profitable and we can stay there for the next 20 30 40 years is going to be the challenge uh, I want to say something. Um, I mean, rent rent is high out here, um, but I want to. I mean, actually, my passion is actually micro entrepreneurship, and you know, small business. I, I would say, Songbird and Berlin are certainly small businesses. Like, think about real estate a little differently too. Some people think of it as this whole this whole thing, right? This little space right here is real estate. Um. If you go somewhere and you think it's a good location and you like what someone's doing or you like the the staff there or you like the vibe there and you see like, you know, I think they could use that amount of space better than they're using it. Pitch them on something, you know, like he's talking about like, okay, at, at Birdland, we just um, subleased, I'm talking no more than 300 square feet to a repair they do uh they repair turntables they repair amplification devices um 250 square feet i'm now utilizing my little bit of space better for somebody who has an expertise and a business you know i could lease a rack one rack of clothes to somebody if i felt that they really knew their business and had this hustle and were able to to understand the marginal um, the marginal impact of their business to that space. So I think, you know, in this city with rents and these tight spaces, like there's an opportunity to think about real estate differently and on a smaller micro scale. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so we, we talked about the difficulty. I want to talk about the effects of the pandemic and then I'm going to open it up for anybody that has questions. Um, and we all had, <laughs> yes, you, I, ain't, I ain't got an answer, I, ain't, I, can't, I can't even get it out. What has that been like? Because we started here one way as a business. How do you feel like the city has treated you guys? And, and what, is it, what does it look like for the future of the pandemic moving around after how we operating in D.C.? Mary, I'm going to let you start it off because you kind of know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, the it pandemic, it, it stalled some things out, It stalled, right? it stalled things. It stalled it's, this. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and we're building from the ground. So our development is brand new out the ground. Uh, we had to knock a building down, total demo, and then build a 14,000 square foot building um, on top of that in a pandemic. Um, and supply chain was delayed. Um, we have six month lead times now on like electrical panels and things like this. We're still building. And so it's really created kind of a bottlenecking of opportunity, right? Because we want to open quick and everybody needs it right now. I'll, I'll reiterate this that people east of the river are dying 16 years earlier than people on the other side of the river because of the lack of access to food. They're dying from things like diabetes and heart disease and things that could be changed in part or altogether through a change of diet. And so like we are like 
pressing up against the timeline and trying to open because we want to get things to you. But it's been difficult, right? A lot of things have been stalled. A lot of funding has been stalled. Um, a lot of opportunities around workplace has been like changed. So is this uh, a bad time to get in business? It's not a bad. I, listen, it's always perfect time to get business for me. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, and so we, you know, we worked through that, and we've been we've been so blessed because I guess the 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 in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, there has also been this. Um, lens on equity in black communities, especially black and brown communities who have been treated unfairly. And so there has opened up this conversation about what can people do more. Um, and I think the city has come around and created funds um, like the acquisition fund, um, like the food fund here in D.C. that is given like up to $750,000 to businesses to open food businesses east of the river. So if you're a food business, please do so. Please apply. Um, and we're, we're and I think I saw Chrissy in the back. Um, DSLBD, I think, is is the dream grants are still around. Trying to give more opportunities to, um, and we're a dream grant recipient, so thank you, DSLBD, um, and trying to uh, get more opportunities to small businesses by way of government. So there are efforts being made. Of course, we want to do more. We want to do more crowdfunding. We want to do all of that, but um, staffing is an issue in the wake of the pandemic, right? People are... Um, we can't find a lot of help. Uh, people are moving around a lot. And so that's been kind of like our bottleneck. And then also just like a lot of supply chain things that have been difficult for us. Yeah, too. definitely supply chain. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, to add to what she said, because, yeah, it was, it was a lot going on. Um, Like, just be good. Like, also, when you start a business, man, just, just, just be good to people. Because, like, with us, it's like we started right when the pandemic started and we didn't qualify for no funding for nothing because you were supposed to start in 2019 and we didn't qualify for nothing but and doing clothes selling clothes and when people was not even going outside so it was like it, it was like a, a it was like a mission impossible kind of situation but just us like branding ourselves and being good to people like them bird and all these people that was coming to support and still like buying clothes and making clothes during this time kept us open so like bet on your community as well this is what i'm saying like when you open up a business don't be so like focused on just the business part but also be focused on the people that around you because that's what's going to keep your business open so if, if, if you don't if you don't do plan a strategy or how you're going to keep your community and the people around you engaging and really loving what you're doing for what you're doing you know what i'm saying if that makes sense like it's another thing that people don't really pay attention to so we didn't have no funding no help selling clothes when people was in the house and we still survived so i appreciate everybody that came through and and showed us love through that time because we here because of y'all so thank you i'm gonna I'm give it a chance to open up um the floor for questions anybody have any questions uh, we'll start with you let's hear some sharp sharp entrepreneurial questions i want to hear them It's truth. And I'll piggyback off her to ask the question, is that even possible? Is that, and, and you can be truthful, right? You can say, no, nah, I can't give away every contact. Because we can say that. We can say that. We can say that here. But you probably don't want to say that. I mean, I don't know if I can list. 
I don't know if I can list all my contacts right here, but listen, follow up. But she's um, right, though. She's absolutely right. It's yeah. like this talk around. Um, I could talk about grants that we get. So we've definitely gotten grants from the city, DSLBD, the Dream Grant, DEMPED grants, um, the Department of uh, Planning and Economic Development, that's DEMPED. Uh, we also won a great grant uh, in the midst of the pandemic from Essence Magazine and Pine Saw, um, $150,000 to a Black-owned, women-led business. They do that every year, so check the Essence website. It comes around every year. Um and then also just we we have worked with Sibley Hospital, too, who has been very instrumental in getting us in rooms. I think what a lot of people don't know about grants and funding opportunities, it's about relationships a lot of the times. And people have to see you. Um, and even in the midst of the government, like, I'm going to call Christy out in the back because Christy, the director of the SLBD, right yeah, there in she, the back. You know, I, I don't um, want to keep calling on her, but she, she's definitely here. So if y'all stay for the next conversation, yeah, y'all can she, bug her she too. Is but. there. But like, make sure you introduce yourself. Um, there's sure. a lot of people. Shannon is, is here as well. Shannon, you can raise your hand. Shannon, raise your hand. All right. That's Shannon from Made in D.C. Yeah. Uh, not Made in the DMV, but Made in D.C. Hey, yeah. they are sponsors here. They have been sponsoring. I don't have to cut you off, but we just told my resources. They have, DSLBD has sponsored Made in the DMV conference since day one. Let's clap it up, okay? And they, I can say this, and, I'm, and I don't mean to say it like this, but they have been the only agency to support us since day one. So I love them, and it's, uh, I really do appreciate Christy, Anna, uh, Shannon and, and Kate. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but these people in the back of the room, I'm gonna bring them up after this conversation. Y'all have to tap into. I know people say don't and it's weird. Like they not really weird as you think. Like and they be they be just like on it. I, I tell them some ideas. They be like, oh, all right, bet. Let me see if I got it. And they might got it. So you gotta. It's them. I'm telling you, it's them. Sorry to put y'all on the spot, but yeah, it. and I, it's relationship. And and how I started really is like I started going to my ANC meetings. Like, and I know that seems like so basic. Um, who goes to the ANC meeting? ANC seven. I'm in seven F. Um, and I just started going to my ANC meetings and meeting everybody who came. And I shook hands. And I went to council member meetings. And I went to other community meetings uh, like this, like minded people. And they were telling me where the grants were, where the opportunities were. And as soon as you find your tribe of people, like the the opportunities will come. Um, I'm so glad I, I came to this conference like three years ago. Met Bert, I was like, oh, we got to work. We got to do something and now. I'm working with her with Art All Night and so many other platforms. And it's money around that. And it's money around that. So, um, yeah, I say get in the room and start start right in your community with your ANC. You may only think, oh, it's only 20 people in the room, but that 20 people leads you to the next and the next and the next and the next thing. And it started with me just going to community meetings and talking to people and seeing who the players are and where the opportunities are. Yeah, to piggyback on that, you know, if you're in this room, all the players that you need to talk to are probably in this room. And as Bird pointed out, most of them are in the back of the room. But what, you know, is our company is like internally funded. One of the coolest things that I've seen done in the city and Ian is not here, but what Sandlot did with one of their first locations that they actually went through family and friends to actually get a lot of their funding. Um, and it was great because you saw, you know, people that look like us go to people that look like us and say, hey, look, you can have some equity in this business. You can actually buy into your own community. You can buy back the block yourself. We don't have to go to and wait for the grant and wait for the government to do it right. And Ian is another great person to talk to because he knows the grant game probably better than anybody else I've ever met. He gets them and he gets some situations. I don't even understand how he gets in. But it works every single time. So I think a lot of times it is just, you know, like Bird is saying, you just got to look around at the people that's around you and just 
be not af- be afraid to have those conversations because you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work until you try. And I'll address it quickly, which is a piggyback on on the friends and family. Um, you know, I worked um, for 15 years before I opened a business and, and saved, you know, my money um, and tried to live frugally, especially once I had a vision for wanting to start a business. Um, I think there's nothing more powerful than investing in yourself or demonstrating that you want to invest in yourself. Um, so again, it's all at a, a, there's different scales to it. If you were able to save $10,000 or $15,000 over some period of time and show that you're prepared to invest that in yourself, that then becomes powerful to the network of friends and family. Why should, why should, and friends and family is very important uh, because if they're not going to invest in you, like it's, it's concentric circles, right? So if I have $10,000, I'm willing to invest in myself, then my next concentric circle of people who care about me and are willing to listen to me, right? Like I can get, I can get at my mom's table, right? Like I don't have to open a lot of doors to get to her table. If I show like, here's my vision and here's $10,000 I'm willing to invest in myself. Okay, maybe now she's willing to invest $10,000 in me. Now, once that concentric circle believes in my vision, Okay, maybe now I'm demonstrating a certain amount of capital that I can go to my bank, who, by the way, I kept my money in the same bank this whole time. Um, I would be nice to the to the staff at the bank. I would maybe ask if I could have a meeting with the person who does small business lending at the bank over time. I did um, when I bought a house, I did my mortgage through that same bank. So now I'm building a relationship with this one bank so therefore, if they know me a little bit, I was able to get um, an equipment loan uh, for a certain amount from that one bank because I banked with that bank. I did a, a, a home mortgage through that bank. So I don't know. Those are some some responses to that question. Also, um, because I know a bank's the one way to get money, but also I want to point out community development financial institutions, which give more flexible capitals to small businesses. So um, the Washington Area Community Investment Fund, that's one that's local. Um, Harold Pettigrew is... Take notes, take notes. Harold Pettigrew is the CEO. He's a Ward 7 person, lives in Ward 7. Um, Yeah, please write that down. And if if you want to ask me questions about it, but they have more flex capital. They're also able to give grants. They also can lend in a smaller quantity for businesses that are just starting out. So pay attention to your local CDFIs because that is where some really flex capital can come in and really help outside of traditional banking that makes you go through a million hoops. um, And it has not always been advantageous for people of color. All right. All right. We're going to ask one more question before we switch over. Anybody have a question? You have a question? The biggest problem I've run into and biggest problem I typically see is lack of capital. Most people have a, a million dollar idea with $10 and then it's trying to find the gap of like, how am I going to find the rest of this money to actually get to my idea and dream? And that's where we start talking about the different sources of funding. And that's where, you know, to his point, if you're willing to invest in yourself enough, you'll get to it because you'll understand the wherewithal and discipline to, to have that's necessary to run a business in the first first place that you need for yourself. But then once you actually start having those conversations with people who have the money, 
and been in business long enough or just angel investors, whatever the case may be, you'll be able to have conversations with them where they'll see the gap and they'll see your dream and they'll see the vision as long as you stay organized. A lot of times people, they're trying to communicate that idea from just their passion without being able to communicate it from the actual business standpoint of like, how is this, if I give you a million dollars, how's it going to make me a million dollars back? You know, and not just because you really like music, not because you're really passionate because there's a, everybody in this room is really passionate about something, but being able to actually find the gap and understand from a business aspect of like, how am I going to communicate this out? How am I going to actually find the funding that I need? Knowing the right amount of funding that you need is another big thing because a lot of people go in thinking, oh, it's only going to need $10,000. It really was like a $200,000 job. So understanding how to do that budget correctly, that that's how you'll get to it very easily. Yeah, very solid business plan. It, it sounds corny, but at the end of the day, that's that's the key to business. If you got a solid business plan, that's the half the battle. Yeah, and and also to add to what he said, we gotta get a, stop get, um get away from the mentality that this area is like a a crab in a barrel thing that they be talking about because that stop us from reaching out to each other and really trying to build. You know what I'm saying? So like if we if we get out that mindset and start reaching out to your brothers and sisters and everybody in here and and don't be don't be shy to get their number, get their information and build, you never know what's what what great could come out of this. You know what I'm saying? And that's the the positivity we gotta continue um in this area. I think DC, Maryland and Virginia has amazing talent and a lot of people that's gonna do great things, but we gotta get out of that mentality and start really trying to work with each other and 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 stop thinking that um it's not gonna work so let's get it we got people like malcolm people like myself people like mary everybody in here that is willing to work and really to come out and stick together so let's let's do it for us and put our city in the map for sure for sure yo i want to thank y'all for this panel you had something to say joe yeah i just quickly i guess um yeah in the music business specifically actually yeah i do want to say this uh i think people recognizing the value the customer the consumer the the paying value people will pay um you know vintage clothing is going off the charts right now like you know all you thrifters and merch people whatever i hope y'all are doing well um people will pay 60 80 dollars for a t-shirt um i still don't see the the willingness um, always to pay to go to see live art and to see live music. Actually, I think that's one of the biggest things to continue to condition people to um, treat music as as valuable um, to the consumer is one of the biggest things in the music business. <laughs> I just wanted to, um, Market 7, just wanted to plug our socials. So we're at Market, the number 7 DC on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're opening this year. So please, please follow us, follow our journey. Um, and we hope to see you at our new food hall uh, this sure. year. Yeah, so give it up for our Buy Back the Block panel. This is a great, I want everybody to tap in. We're going to switch over uh, to our next panel. I want to thank all of our panelists. Um, Joe, Malcolm, Mary, and Gordo probably be around. It may be around. You guys can have a conversation with them. Uh, Joe is a great person trying to get on that songbird schedule. Joe don't know how that's going to go. Can we get on it? Yeah, we can talk about that, yeah. Can we talk about that? <laughs> talk to the side. Like, can I get Whatever this? you want. Songbird is hot, though, yes. So next up will be uh, a talk with Christy from DSLBD, made in D.C. If you guys want to stay around, she is up next. Everybody give everybody a clap, round of applause. 
And if y'all don't know, I got Miles Mini Shooter. If y'all don't get a picture by Miles now, in about two years, the price is gonna be up high. We are taxing. They already, they already, they are.